Hi, Gus Warland here and welcome to Not An Overnight Success, brought to you by Sean Partners Financial Services. In this podcast, we sit down with some very successful people from the world of business, entertainment and sport to chat about their life's journey and how they became the success that they are today. In today's episode, we are chatting to Gavin Rubenstein. Gavin is arguably the best real estate agent in the country. He's won more awards in real estate than we could list and is now the founder of the Rubenstein Group. You might also know him from the reality TV show Lux Listings Sydney. At just 33 years of age, Gavin has achieved a hell of a lot, but as for all our guests, it wasn't overnight. In this interview, we talk a lot about the passion that drives and fuels Gavin, the athletic-like dedication and love of the competition. We speak about his family and how working with his brother has created a perfect yin-yang dynamic that has enabled them to become more and more successful. Gavin lives and breathes work hard, play hard, and he speaks about how loving the process more so than the end result is his objective. As for all these podcasts, Sean Partners have generously donated $10,000 to the charity of the choice of each of our guests. We'll discuss where that money goes in this chat. The executive producer of this podcast is Keisha Pettit, and it couldn't have been done without our great mate, Kelly Stubbs. Let's get into our chat with Gavin Rubenstein. Gavin, good morning. How are you, mate? Hello, sir. Thank you for having me. Very well. It's an absolute pleasure. So uh, where are you from? I was born in Australia. I grew up in Bondi, so originally a Bondi boy. Kind of when Bondi was, you know, the slums, not what it is today. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I spent most of my kind of school life in Bondi, moved to London when I finished school, and then back to Sydney and have been here ever since. What were you like as a kid? Um, so like as a kid, cheeky. <laughs> I can see that. I was cheeky, man. I hated school. Yeah, I wasn't a studier. Didn't really interest me. Loved girls. Loved having fun with my friends. Loved being social. But, you know, I always enjoyed life, like, from a young age. So I got by. Managed to land on my feet all the time. I'm sure you did, no <laughs> doubt. What was your family dynamic like? Mm, so parents moved here from Africa. Got an older brother. Just kind of has been the four of us and was always the four of us since, you know, the beginning. Father was a pharmacist. My mother worked in the beauty industry. Uh, you know, he worked for some of my father for about 20 plus years before he eventually opened up his own pharmacy. Parents ended up getting divorced. He ended up selling that. And now he kind of works part time and mum's in the Gold Coast. Okay. So what's your big brother like? Is he, have you always had a good relationship with him? Uh, he's my best friend. He now actually is managing director and CFO of the business. So, you know, he does absolutely everything. And yeah, uh, I'm not closer to anyone than him. That's cool. I love that. Did you play sport as a youngster? Like, I mean, I always liked sport, but obviously, you know, being vertically challenged, right? <laughs> um, I, I didn't put me in, in a good position to dominate and I've always liked to dominate because I'm quite competitive. You know, dancing was something I could excel in. It was something I enjoyed. My second love in this world is, is actually basketball. Like I'm obsessed with NBA, which I know is kind of ironic, but you know, I admire it as opposed to ever really being able to participate fairly, right? I totally get that. Yeah. I understand. I wanted to be a cricketer for Australia and I ended up playing in this like New South Wales cricketing week where all the best youngsters of the state came together and I came up against a bloke called Mark War and Steve War. <laughs> and after like four hours of them absolutely annihilating us, we all looked at each other and went, they're the guys that are going to play yeah. for Australia, not me. And it's, right. it was a moment, you know, I had to, driving home, I was on my P's thinking, okay, well, I've got to come up with something else because I honestly thought that's what I was going to do. But it's nice to know that those guys are so good. 100%. I admire athletes and, you know, I'm very uh, driven and interested in competitive sport and more so 
you know, inspired by the mindset of some of these guys. I think that's super impressive. Absolutely. We'll get back on to the NBA sooner rather than later. You're extremely successful. You're the number one real estate agent in Australia. How does that sit with you? And do you look at yourself in the mirror and, and start each day with that sort of thought? Really? Like, and again, I think it's who you ask. Real estate is, is someone like the UFC. Everyone is a world champion and, and number one, right, in, in some sort of area. So look, in my mind, and obviously I'm biased, I, I believe that not only myself, but we, which is my kind of outfit, TRG, are the best in terms of our dedication, the service we provide, and just, you know, the track record in our particular market. There's confidence, definitely, in the value that we add. There's a belief that we take it that much further than the others. And there's just a, a serious level of commitment there that I don't think the competition brings. So mindset is kind of like, do I think about being the best? I'm striving to be the best every single day. I think if you think you're at the top of your game, it's a problem. Like I've got the feeling that I'm miles away from where I want to be and I'm constantly learning every single day. And I'm actually motivated by learning and going through situations that I find challenging so I can become better, so I can do better for my clients, you know. I'm definitely a confident individual in the value I add. Mm. Yeah, and that's experience and that is the fact that you've done it over a period of time, so that gives you that confidence. Long time. I'm 33 now. I've been doing it since I was 19. It's all I've done since then. It's all I've focused my entire life world and everything is all I'm good at, really. You know, so I would hope to be confident in the value I add at this point, right? No, so basically you're hating school. At 19, you go, okay, I'm going to have a crack at this real estate stuff. How much better have you got from the 19-year-old that first morning to you walking in and chatting to us today? Oh, it's like chalk and cheese. Like you make a decision or I made a decision anyway after a couple of small wins when I was young, you know, that this was going to be it for me. And I think that few people are able to say that. Like few people are actually able to say, I've found not only what I'm passionate about, but what I was born to do. And, you know, I made a decision at that point that everything I did, everything was going to somehow relate or correlate to real estate and being as good of a real estate agent as it can be. And then kind of, I don't know, this may sound esoteric, but then the universe has a way of just delivering lessons to you that you can always kind of correlate to what you're focusing on and what you're interested in. And I always just say I'm a wholehearted specialist because every other aspect of life and avenue I'm somewhat useless at, you know, <laughs> I, it, most of it goes over my head purely because to me, I'm not, particularly interested in a lot outside of that. You know, when I made a decision, I want to be as best as I could. I used and took on every opportunity to get better, you know, and I still do today. So zero to in the thousands now, I would say. Do you remember your first sale? Yeah, it was for 650000 Actually a lot of money at the time. Yeah. And, you know, my first sale was the first lead that I had converted into a sale, obviously I was an assistant, so I started as a PA, right? And so I was assisting a couple of real estate agents and my role was to prospect. It was a pro, like a glorified telemarketer. So basically knocking on doors saying, hi, okay, that's a tough gig. Yeah, but I loved it. It was tough and it taught me a lot again. Yeah, I was knocking on doors, getting coffees, making phone calls, you know, shaking as many trees as I could, throwing as much shit to the wall, seeing what would stick. <laughs> kind of no different to what I do today, just in a different form, right? Yeah. But yeah, I ended up getting this little townhouse of all clues, 650, 650 or 675, somewhere around then. It was liberating and exciting. Like it's good to put in effort and get a return on that. Mm. 
you know, and that's always a feeling I've personally been, I guess, addicted to, you know, and that's when I started. What does a guy like you in that situation make from that sale of six fifty, six seventy five? What goes into your pocket and did you go, okay, I'm gonna go buy something with this, or did you pay someone back or you know, can you remember that? I was I mean, when I started out I was pretty, pretty heavily in debt. I was dating a girl at the time and she came from a very wealthy family, so she had expectations. You're trying to keep up with the Joneses. And I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, she's used to flying at the front of the plane. She's used to, you know, shopping in the right place. And I'm a young kid at this time, you know, I'm like 20, 21. So I was just, I was at that point in my career, from memory, I was servicing debt. I was credit card debt. And I probably owed my dad a couple of grand at all times. Like, <laughs> We've all owed our dad a couple of grand. Like, <laughs> poor guy didn't even have it to give me, but, you know, where he could, he did. But yeah, so I was, I was servicing that. What happened to the girl? She actually lives in LA now. Uh, we're very good friends. We're very close friends, yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. Do you get worried sometimes you don't have the balance in your life because you're so focused on being the, the real estate guy? You know, like I'm at a point today, today, present moment, where I have zero balance. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm like somewhat a shell of a human. <laughs> but- you know, usually speaking pre-COVID, right, I've got a very particular process to manage my energy. So obviously, you know, my clients get all of my everything. There's no, there's nothing off limits. They get it all and let me tell you, they take it all, right? <laughs> yeah. And how I manage that usually is travel. So every kind of 10 to 12 weeks, I'm on a plane, I go overseas, you know, switch off completely, enjoy the spoils of war, I like to call it. <laughs> have a lot of fun, kind of use Sydney as my office and use overseas as my playground, spend a lot of time in LA. July, I usually spend the whole month in Europe. But right now, presently today, we haven't been able to travel. So it's been a hell of a lot harder. You know, you add the full-time filming for, you know, an international TV show on top of what has been the craziest real estate market in the history of Australian property, on top of aggressive growth phase in my business. It's intense. You know, so I definitely am at the point where I need a holiday and have something booked. But once I take that holiday, I'll come back a new man. Yeah, I'll come back dangerous. And then next year, obviously, we'll be able to implement it into the routine again and, and be fine. But it's been it's been a challenge, yeah. Let's talk about the show for a while because that has brought you, obviously, not just to your region and your local area, but everyone knows you now and you did so well on it. Did you enjoy the experience and the fact that they wanted to series two inside of an episode or two. Yeah. It's exciting, right? It's awesome. It's awesome. It's full on. It's fucking wild. <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I got into it. I got into it with two objectives. I think, you know, going back to that feeling that I spoke about that I identified, I liked at an early age, which was input output. If I'm going to put effort in, I want to see a return on my time. Because as a real estate practitioner, right, the difference between the best and everybody else is the best actually get paid for their time because there are a lot of, I'm sure in every industry, but particular real estate, there are a lot of time thieves, people who want to steal your time and a lot of real estate agents spending a lot of time doing things that are not dollar productive, right? So, you know, I went into the TV show with, with two objectives. Objective number one was build profile. You know, I worked out at a, at a super early age that I would look at all of the top real estate agents who were successful when I started and they were all different, like they had different style. You know, they had different processes. They looked different. It was, but the common denominator, there were two. Number one was all the best worked relentlessly, like relentlessly. And then the second part was they all had profile. And obviously you build profile by doing a good job over a consistent period of time. Otherwise you can't build profile. 
So I knew a show like this with the sort of exposure and platform it was going to provide was going to help me build a lot of profile. Mm. And the second reason I did it was I'm in the process of building a second premises in Rose Bay, which will open up. You know, it's got 50-odd seats in. I've got 25 seats in my current premises in Queen Street. And I wanted to be able to recruit. I wanted this to help, which kind of ties into profile, but mm. I wanted to use it as a recruitment tool. And so far, like it only came out in July, but so far uh, it's really been working. So I'm super happy with it. How hard is it to find a good young person and do you need to give them a bit of time before you actually know? Or does someone walk through the door and you now with your knowledge go, oh, I'm not letting this one out? It's a good question. I mean, I feel I can pick it really quickly. I also acknowledge I'm not I'm not right all the time, you know, like, so I'm not going to get it right, but I don't dwell if I get it wrong. You know, if I meet someone and think that they're good and they've got it, and then after six months, they don't, see you, bye, thanks for the time and effort, and I'm on to the next. Mm. What do you look for in that person? I'm a very kind of aesthetically, I go off aesthetics, visual, and feeling, so that's the sort of individual I am. Like, I've never read a resume, you know, and you take a look at my brother who's you know, he runs the business, like he's the complete opposite. He'll only look at a resume, right? <laughs> You're a good combo then. Yeah, we're a great combo. You know, we almost create like the perfect storm and it's it's an essential yin and yang type balance. I like commitment. You know, I think a lot of young people, they just focus on end result as opposed to the process. And I think it's a real problem with the generation, a generation, you know, I'm part of. Like even when I was coming up, a lot of young people, a few young people were willing to do what it took, you know, in order to get to a certain space. Like they would look at, say, the top real estate agents and say, oh, well, they've got great property portfolios and they drive nice cars and they've got nice suits and they're always on these holidays. Well, we want that, but we're not willing to do what it takes in order to get that. So they wouldn't look at the process. They'd focus on the end result. And a lot of people do that today. Like I'm a wholehearted process person. You know, I love the freaking process. Mm. I think I like the process more than the end result. The end result's almost like a climax or an yeah. anti-climax, right? <laughs> so I think that's a problem. You know, I really focus on these young guys. They're coming in. Are they just, are they just wanting to get this end result or mm. are they willing to sacrifice every single day and do what it takes over a consistent period of time? Because, you know, it's not this, this is not a business you can crack it in, in a year, two, three, in four, even five. I mean, up to five years, you've got to eat shit daily, you know, from morning till night and it's going to test you and there's a lot of rejection and it's going through that and being able to continue that with the same energy and vigor that you started with from A all the way through to Z that gets you there. And I think very few people are actually willing to do that. Yeah. I hear it a lot. Blokes want to start at the CEO level. In terms of wealth and in terms of being successful and that type of stuff, have you managed it well? Have you managed it better as you got a little bit older? So up until about 30, I was like a cowboy. Like you got a picture. I come from a family where the sort of vibe was, you know, in order for my dad to pay school fees, like I even remember one morning, you know, I noticed a couple mornings he stopped getting takeaway coffees. And I'm like, you know, what's the deal? You're not getting coffee. He's well, like, you know, coffee back then cost 250 or whatever it was. He said, well, if I don't get a coffee a day, I save 250 a day and you add that up over the course of the year and I'm like so that was the kind of environment I grew up in right it was tight like my parents never took me overseas I've still never gone overseas to this day with my parents you got to do that you got to take them I'm going I'm going 100% up it's the front 100% love the list. that it's on the list what a moment that'll be can't, for you I can't wait for that mm. I'm gonna have to do it separately because Oh, of course, of course. Well, <laughs> no, you, you get two trips. 100%, anyway. <laughs> 100%. And we're going to get around to that. But that was kind of the vibe I grew up in. And then as a salesperson, I started to make really good 
cash flow and income for you know, a young guy who kind of had no responsibility. And I, yeah, went a little bit crazy, right? I, I uh, came from a background where my parents had no lifestyle, zero. So I, in my mind, you know, wanted the opposite of that. So I wanted like the best lifestyle. And I was exposed to certain things from a young age that I didn't have in my own world that made me want to go out and get them on my own. But then again, you've got to remember, right, you have to go through that to actually understand, well, this whole amount that you get from your commission check doesn't go straight into your pocket. Mm. You know, a portion of it's got to go to tax and then you've got to pay this tax and that tax. And you go through it and you learn and you end up getting a couple of big bills that you stress out about that you end up paying. But no, I look, I turned 30 and when I opened up my own business, put on my brother to manage it because it's an absolute strength of it. He's super educated, got a master's in business, degree here, super disciplined, you know, served in the Israeli army. He was a wealth controller, manager, was a commodities trader for like 10 years moving all over the world. So it's like his strength. And I just knew like getting into that, I had to put all responsibility onto him. <laughs> and um, trust. Yeah, well, he's, he's my blood, right? So that was never in question. Also understanding that, you know, I was going from just being a salesperson to, to manning like a three, four person team to now I'm going to be a business owner and I've really got responsibility for a lot of people. So financially, I can't really be stupid. Mm. He manages absolutely everything. Like from personal now to business, to mortgages, to payments, to, you know, if there's a, a charge on my personal card, even above like, you know, three grand, he'll flag it, be like, what's going on with like he is. He's pulling you up. Listen, and he does it for the business. And there's the, like, if there's a 20 cents out of line equation on the balance sheet, he's, he's like a hawk. He's a freak. Right? So He wants um, to get to the bottom of it. He wants to get to the bottom of it. And so, you know, what we've obviously been able to create since he's taken over it is phenomenal. It makes me think, geez, if he was involved earlier, wow. But no, it's all part of the learning and the process. I, got, I have zero regrets. I love the fact that, and people can't see your face as you talk about your brother, but it, it lights up. Mm. Obviously, he's blood, like you say, so all bets are off. He's your guy. Is he the guy that inspires you or is there someone else that inspires you? Because I do believe all great people and people doing great things are either doing it because someone told them they couldn't or they've just had some really good life lessons and they love that person. They want to prove that they're good enough for those life lessons. Sure. I think he's one of them. I'm inspired by anyone who is great at what they do. I just like, I love greatness. I love the pink elephants. You know, I love the people who stand out for being extraordinary. You know, I believe success leaves clues. And so when we talk about like the NBA and I say like, I love their athleticism and I love the competitive side of the game. I think I like the post-game interviews even more than the actual games because you actually get an insight into how these guys think. I think you can learn a lot from that. So he's part of my inspiration. I, I just, I'm interested in anyone who's great because I think there's something to be learned from them. Yeah, I agree. And people that are authentic Correct. in those interviews, I think Life needs authentic people now. I think we're sort of a little over the other stuff. Doesn't mean you can't be flashy and you sure, can't, sure. but you need to be authentic. Just quickly interrupting the episode to say a very big thank you to the sponsor of this podcast, and that is Shore and Partners Financial Services. Shore and Partners are an Australian investment and wealth management firm who manage over $28 billion of assets under advice. With seven offices across Australia, Shore and Partners act for and on behalf of individuals, institutions, corporates, and charities. For more info, you can check out their website at shoreandpartners.com.au. That's S-H-A-W for sure. Shore and Partners Financial Services, your partners in building and preserving wealth. Now let's get back into the episode. What about the flashiness of real estate agents? So let me give you my 
idea. I've always lived in the suburbs. Yeah. So if a guy was coming to sell my house and he had the Beamer and he was slick back hair and he looked like Wall Street, I'm unlikely to pick him. Yep. And I don't know why. It's like, oh, that guy, not sure. Whereas if a guy came and he looked like a family guy and he looked like he was a little bit disheveled but was trying hard, I'd probably go for him. Yeah, interesting, yeah. What about you? I've got this quote here and you can talk about it. <laughs> Remy, your head of marketing, said, he has three amazing cars, a Lamborghini, a Ferrari Spider, and a Range Rover. But he never posts about them because he thinks it makes him look detached. And you later said that you kept that part of your life private. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I think I always get tarred with the brush either way. So it's kind of you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Like, for me personally, it's a misconception. Like, the way I dress in terms of, you know, how I feel is, is somewhat an expression of my brand for me. And it's authentic. I've always had this philosophy where I say, if you look good, you feel good, you do good. And I've just always been like that since I was a a kid, you know, and that's just kind of evolved over time. But yeah, like I do get tired with that brush, but that quote is correct. Like there are certain personal aspects of my life that I don't put out there, you know, that I don't promote. I'm not in the car selling business. It's somewhat irrelevant what car I drive. I don't think that stuff matters. I think how good of a job am I going to do for you as a client? How can I do better than competition A, B, or C? And to me, that's kind of all that, that matters, right? And like I had a call once from, from the paper. It was, it was recently. And they're like, you know, it was one, of, one of my competitors actually made comments saying something about being flash and all of this. And they asked me about it. And I, I questioned it. I'm like, what's flash about me? Because I dress nicely. Like, oh, well, your Instagram is flash. I'm like, okay, why don't you hop on my Instagram? I'm like, because the content on there is all about helping other real estate agents in terms of, you know, certain philosophies and mindsets and what they should be doing in their business and property sales. And then they're like, were silent for a second. They never ended up, you know, writing the article. So I think perception is something you always kind of have to deal with. How someone looks, I think presentation is important. So whether that's the Wall Street vibe, like you say, or the family guy vibe, look good. You know, part of what we preach in our process is presentation. And we talk about how important it is that a property looks good. Mm. So if, if we're going to preach that and then we look like somewhat, you know, a slob, it's, it's a bit of a problem, right? So, so long as they do a good job and they're happy presenting themselves in kind of what makes them feel good, I'm like, go for it, man. What's it like to drive those cars? Like I'm 53 now. I've never driven one. I had an opportunity to drive like a flashish car a few years ago. A mate of mine's got one. And I actually, I couldn't wait to stop and let him drive again because I was just, I'm going to crash this or something. You know, what's it like on your best day and you're driving one of those beautiful cars and you are feeling confident, you've done a great job and stuff. That must give you just a huge lift. Again, like you talk about things that happen, these moments in time, like early on that tend to shape parts of your life. I remember being in back of my dad's Nissan at the time, it'd be school drop-off. And so I went to a private school, but I was the poor kid at a private school, right? So it was like a car show, the drop-offs. You know, it was like, so I would, I remember sitting there sometimes just looking out the window. Sometimes I see a Porsche and I'd see these cars and I'd be like, you know, I would say one day I'm going to. One day I'm going to get some of these. And this is what I talk about being exposed to it from a young age, not having it. It builds someone a drive. It's also that sense and feeling of you're giving it a lot. 
you know, and then you're getting a return. And particularly when you haven't been handed it in any way, shape or form, you've gone out to kind of get it on your own. So, you know, it feels good. I mean, on my 30th birthday, and I haven't spoken about this, but since you asked, I just tell you, I said to myself, I think at like 25, I'm like, by the time I turn 30, I want to buy a Ferrari. Don't have it anymore. I've sold it. I'm like, that's what I'm working towards. And literally from 25 to 30, you know, my background on my computer was this Ferrari. And I had just gone to Vegas for a week for my 30th with a bunch of friends. I landed back in Sydney on my 30th birthday, 7th of November. And 12 months prior, I'd obviously ordered the car. I literally walked into Ferrari on my 30th birthday and picked up, you know, this custom-made 488 Spider. Wow. Is that how long it takes a year for your it's, car to it, arrive? It's, it's, well, it actually, it was ready six months earlier, but I said you keep it in your storeroom. I'm happy to pay the deposit on what I need to, but in my mind, I'm picking it up only my 30 I'm not birthday. going early. Nah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's those sort of events, you know, and achievements that I've, I've never spoken about that in, like my, obviously my close friends know, but it's those sort of little goals. And that's just a material level one. There's, there's lots that, you know, over the course of my career, I've set, smashed out the park and, you know, gone to the next one. And it's been part of my process. Yeah. So Vegas, 30th birthday, I came back from my 50th Vegas <laughs> with a whole bunch of mates, all had very different experiences there. Like we did certain things together and then the youngsters did their own thing yeah. and then other people wanted to gamble, other people wanted to do other fun stuff. I saw a lot of shows, I like, that's sort of what I'm all about and a couple of my mates did that. What sort of mates went to your 30th? Are they brothers type mates or are they sort of hangers-oners that you just love having a party with or a combo? No, I don't do hangers-oners. Okay. <laughs> like, no, no I, I've got a very small circle. Like in Sydney, I've got maybe six close friends. That's it. And then obviously because I spend quite a bit of time overseas, like we were speaking about in between when I'm working, I've got a really good network there of about five or six friends. So my brother was with me, of course. Yeah, he, he had the credit card and say, uh, uh, no more. Uh, well, that, or did that he give point, you a little bit of leeway on your 30th? Well, at that point, he hadn't taken over. So he just took over after. So that was kind of like my last <laughs> So he had to deal with it. Correct, correct. <laughs> but then I had Jerome, who was my first employee, who now runs property management. So he was he was with me. And a couple of my close friends from here. And then the rest were, were the guys over there. But you know, the guys over there, obviously, they spend a lot of time there, know the right people. And they, they show you a side that you just don't. You can't even dream of this sort of stuff, yeah. you know what I mean? So mm. it was it was a lot of fun. I bet it was. Yeah. You got a big smile on your face. Yeah. That's really cool. So when it comes to your balance in life, I love the fact you have July, you know, in Europe. Obviously, it's, it's warmer there and not so warm here. How do you manage your life and keep everything going yeah. and still be able to have your time off to be able to rest and recharge? First off, you're always going to reach me on the phone. Again, I remember when I just – was starting out as an assistant and uh, I was in the back of the car. I used to hear real estate agents' phones ring. And I was like, I just can't wait till my phone starts ringing like that. <laughs> my phone, I should say phones because I've got two freaking ticking time bombs. You've never seen anything like that. I can these. see like, it buzzing in front of us every, every five minutes. It's wild. But I, I always say, you know, just remembering that you always, as a real estate agent, you've got to be available. You've got to pick up the phone. You've got to be accessible. So I don't think I've ever had a vacation without doing multiple deals at one time. Time difference, no problem. If there's a deal to be done, doesn't matter where I am, I'm going to do the deal. In addition to that, I just, I've got the best team in the world. You know, I've got, a, I've got an absolute phenomenal team. And I mean, I've got, personally, this is not including the office, I've got four junior agents, right, who are all very experienced and good guys. My brother, obviously, who runs and accounts for every single dollar on a business and a personal level. I've got a marketing manager. I've got an operations manager. I've got an EA, I've got a runner, 
So lunches, any items at home, cleaner who acts as like my wife, does everything. <laughs> I should say my wife and my husband because they're a lovely married couple and they, from laundry to filling my house to like everything you would need. I basically outsource everything in my world that is not related to meeting new clients uh, or doing a deal, mm-hmm. right? So everything else in life is managed and it's managed at a high level with people that I trust and who have been with me for a very, very, very long time. That's very cool. As you're saying that, I'm thinking of my three teenage kids at home, my wife who works at Gotcha for Life with me at the foundation and just how manic it can be. But it's crazy. I don't, look, I don't know how- So even crazy with all the support? It's crazy. <laughs> like, I just feel like other people I meet are just better than me because of how they manage it. But it's like I said before, I'm a wholehearted specialist. So now I start my day 5 a.m. in terms of when I wake up, I hit the gym anywhere between 5.30, 6.30, depending on how big my workload was the day before or the week before. And like, I am on, you know, you don't catch me sitting down, boozing, having lunch, unless I'm celebrating a deal with a client on a Friday or a Saturday. I'm extremely productive with my time, going back to what I said earlier. Mm. You know, time is my most important commodity. And so, you know, if I've got to pay a barber a hundred bucks extra to come to my house at 7am, so, you know, I can have a shower at home, I don't have to park and go home, shower, put my suit back on. And I add up all the time that takes over the course of the year. I would much rather be spending that time doing business, you know? So that's how I look at it. You know, you, you add all of these things into the pot that's called life and everyone has them, whether it's going to the bank or getting their hair cut or getting food or, picking up your dry cleaning or letting people into your house or getting your mail, it's hours. It's freaking hours. Me personally, and everyone is different. I'm not saying like, it's what works for you, right? Yeah. I'd rather spend that time doing business personally. I get that. What about personal goals? Personal goals, just progression. I'm just very focused on being better. Like I think that's just continues, right? So long as today is better than yesterday, right? And so long as... Tomorrow is better than today. That's what really drives me. You know, I can't take, let's say, a year, like if this year's worse than last year, internally, I'm going to have problems. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's. Well, that's where you're going to get your mates together and you're going to tell them how you feel and they're going to help you through it. I hope so. Yeah. They would. <laughs> yeah, of course. Where do you see yourself in 10 years' time or 20 years' time? Do you want family? You want to, can you share yourself with other people? I've struggled with it. You know, full disclosure, it, it's particularly in the last, I would say, five years, you know, it's been tough because it's, it's become intense, right? Mm. You know, I've got the belief that at the right time, it, you know, I'll be able to do that. Of course, in the future, I see family, I see kids, but there's another part of me inside to me that won't let it get there until I'm ready for that. And so there are certain things in my world I want ticked off of my list before I take on that responsibility. And I'm not there yet. Until that person walks in the room and you go, come on, are you kidding me? I'm like three years away from meeting you. (laughs) Well, that's what I keep getting told and it could happen. I've had a lot of great girlfriends over the years, but no one I've kind of looked back at and said like, you know, never ended up settling down. Well, that was the one. And I've never thought that at the time. I just think everyone's different. That could happen. But also what could happen is, you know, my mind is so strong that when I tell myself I'm ready, She'll present herself. It'll open itself up. Who knows? Uh, I wish you all the best with that. I really do. Is there anything out there that scares you? I'm really starting to have an issue with heights. 
Okay. Like it's getting worse. I don't know. Is that weird? No, it's not. I, I've, <laughs> Gus is like, I've got massive weird, issues. You no. weird little dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got massive issues with heights as well. Even when I see heights on TV, I get that like yeah. that little flicky stuff in my in my leg. Well, like I never really was, but I would say the last maybe even twelve months, or when I go up some high rises or I look over some balconies, I'm like, I find myself, <laughs> you know, a little bit what the fuck, you know, type. <laughs> So I've just been noticing that, like, as of late. So I don't know if that's coming with age. I wouldn't say I'm scared of it, but I've definitely always got a feeling like I'm behind, you know. I, that's definitely – there's always a sense of – which is a blessing and a curse, right? But there's always a level of you're behind, boy. You've got you to yeah, make headway. that drives you. Gotta, you. you gotta, yeah, you've got to get on it because – you don't want anything, anything to pass you by. Okay, this is the final five where we ask you some questions, which are, should be pretty easy, but it gives you an understanding of who you are. Sure. Your favourite movie of all time? Pretty Woman. Oh, great. Classic, man. Best scene in Pretty Woman? I like when Richard Gere smacks his accountant for hitting a girl. That was good. You know, I like that. And I loved it when he walks in when they sort of told her to get out of the shop and then he takes uh. the shopping. The best. And he goes, a lot of money. The best. A lot of <laughs> money. A lot of sucking up. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot, lot of, of sucking up. Yeah. That was my and favorite. And how she walks back into the store when she obviously didn't look as good, but she, I mean, she, Julia Roberts is so oh. chic. And when she comes back in and she's like, big mistake. Yeah, yeah, what a Big mistake, yeah. They don't make films like that anymore. I See, I'm, I'm an old soul, so I love the classic. This new shit is, you know, there's one or two good ones, but like, I like the classic vibe. James Bond will be second favorite. So yeah. like, Daniel Craig in the James Bond series comes in number two. Yeah, no, he's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you're a LeBron fan. You love the NBA. So the new Space Jam, what did you think of that? Ooh, good question. LeBron's a major, like, someone who you talk about inspiration, who's someone I really watch and and, and He's like. not an inspirational actor, though. Like, Space no, Jam was... No, no, no. No, but as a person, it's hard to not It's hard to not like what he does. That's what I'm saying. Like, sure. Because I'm such a fan of his. But, yeah, I mean, you can't compare that to the, the original. No. You just can't. And LeBron James, pretty cool guy. Oh man, I love what he does for his neighborhood oh, and just his his people. Incredible. Yeah, and can play. Have Arguably, you met him? I've gone this close because when I got to LA, I always sit course. I watch the games, and the last time I was there, which is Jan two years ago, I was sitting with a friend, and we were sitting at the announcers table, and he came up, and I just froze. I was like, but my <laughs> but my friend just went, you know, knuckles, and he gave him knuckles, and he walked by, and he's gone. You didn't get the knuckles. Nah. And I've seen him walk in a few restaurants in LA, but wow. Yeah. What an athlete. What a, oh, it's a big boy. Big it's fella. Big boy. Big fella. Is there a quote that you live your life by? Is there a quote that you heard and you went, you know what, that's beautiful? I mean, there's a couple. I think just never give up, man. You know, I think persistence, perseverance, it goes a really long way. That's something I've taken from, from the beginning. I'm not a quitter. I don't like to give up. I can guarantee that. Yeah. Yeah. Just knowing you in this short amount of time. I said to my kids the other day, 85% of life is just turning up. True. Just keep turning up. True. Yeah. Looking people in the eye, working hard. Yeah. If you feel uncomfortable, have the uncomfortable conversation. Be a bit vulnerable and you'll win. You there know? was this photo my dad used to have on the fridge when I was growing up. And it's like, it's this pelican with a frog that's in its mouth. I don't know if you've ever seen that. And then you've got the frog hands at, like out of its beak holding its neck. And it's going never give up. Yeah, you know, and I just I don't know. I always remember that, but it's you know. I know that die. book. You know, I've never seen say that book. die. Yeah, absolutely. Favorite holiday destination? Oh, what's what month of the year is it? You can pick. You tell us where and when. I feel like they're kids. You know, if it's if it's July, there's there's absolutely no place like Italy, like Greece. 
your Malfi Coast, you know, Northern Italy, Capri, Positano, you know, just the best. And then the party vibe in Mykonos is like nothing else. The energy on that island is like nothing else on planet Earth. And then LA, LA is like second home and just a lot of my really good wholesome friends are there. It's like my family. My favourite hotels at Beverly Hills Hotel. Those are my top three. I'll give my top three. We'll take those top three. <laughs> and very happy to go to any of those destinations with you. And the book. What is your favourite book? Or is there a book that you read and you go, uh-huh, that's the one? So I'm not a big reader. I've only read a handful of books in, in my life. Intention to read a hell of a lot more, but I never get around to, like I said, more visual guy. I dig The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Mm. Yeah, good book, that one. And the final last question is, We've got $10,000 to give you for a charity of your choice for being with us today. So is there one that just screams at you and what would they do with the $10,000? I'm actually getting involved with a charity for the show, which is helping children with cancer. So it'd be super cool to be able to, even on the show, we can say it's from Shaw Partners and Gus and just present it as obviously did a podcast and hand them a check on the night as a bit of a... Absolutely. You know, a bit of a, a, bit of a side bonus. Absolutely. Great. Well, that's awesome. exactly what we will do and we'll sort that out with you and your producers to do that. But $10,000 will go somewhere and no doubt it's going to help. Amazing. Fantastic. Well, mate, it's, wish you luck with the second series. When does that all start with the TV show again? So we've been filming, first season was six episodes. Second season is 12 episodes. Not like they always want more. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it'll be released, I would say, kind of March. Are you enjoying the experience still? I'm loving it. Great. You know, you get to a point, it's like, I'm at that point where I need, it's been two years, the biggest two years of my life, right? Building the business and filming the show and everything. So I'm at that point where I need to replenish the threshold. Yeah. But like I say, I have that break and I'm going to come back dangerous. So I got no doubt. Hey, it's been lovely I talking to you. appreciate your time. Thanks for taking Good it. Good on you, man. Thanks. Appreciate that. That was Gavin Rubenstein, and I must admit, what I loved about that podcast was the love that he has for his brother, the connection they have with each other, and the fact they cannot live without each other. Something that I'm going to work on with my own brother. Coming up in our next episode of the podcast is one of the most impressive athletes in the world. She's the only surfer, male or female, to claim six consecutive world titles, and the only woman to have seven in total. It is, of course, Lane Beachley. A big thank you to Shaw and Partners Financial Services who have generously supported this podcast and also donated $10,000 to the charity of choice of each of our guests to thank them for their time. Shaw and Partners are an Australian investment and wealth management firm who manage over $28 billion of assets under advice. With seven offices around Australia, Shaw and Partners act for and on behalf of individuals, institutions, corporates and charities. For more info, you can check out their website at shawandpartners.com.au. That's S-H-A-W for sure. Shaw and Partners Financial Services, your partners in building and preserving wealth.